Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Greetings to my many friends and my Mysterians. This is Terry from Texas, your presenter. And since it's summertime, I'm going to do what the TV shows do. I'm going to give you some reruns, but it's because I haven't gotten any good ghost stories lately. So, I'm going to give you some of my good old ones and see if you enjoy them again. Okay? So, let's get into it. A listener sent in a story about ghost pets. That's something I have a little knowledge with, so I thought it would be an interesting show for you. A reader named Amber wrote in and suggested this storyline for the show, so I'll read you what she wrote me. Hi Terry, I just found your podcast and now I'm I'm binge listening while I work. I was just wondering, since I haven't had a chance to browse all your stories, if anyone's brought up pet stories, as in ghosts. I have a couple stories. I am also a paranormal fanatic and am a founding member of an investigation group here in Arkansas. Anyway, Nice to meet you and can't wait to listen to all this awesome stuff. So I contacted Amber and I said, well, thanks for listening. I hope you're enjoying the show. I haven't yet done a pet-related show yet, but I'm game since one of my previous cats seems to be in resonance with us. It's not constant, but often enough. Send me your stories and I'll make an announcement on the page and we'll see where we can go with it. So any of you that look at the Terry's Mysterious Moments page, you saw the ad that I was asking for ghost pet stories but anyway she sent me the stories this is amber's message the first one happened about 10 years back my ex's parents live on this country back road and in past convos his dad mentioned that the former landowner named the street brandy after his beloved dog we were staying with him for a bit while apartment hunting and they always did sunday dinner That Sunday, I volunteered to do the after-dinner dishes while everyone was outside. While standing at the sink, a little yellow dog walked in front of my feet, and out of instinct, I stepped back and said, Oh, excuse me. I talk to animals like they're people. After a few minutes, it dawned on me that the ex's family had two dogs, but they were neither small or yellow. I walked outside and asked my ex's dad about Brandy, as far as what kind of dog she was. He said, She had been a little yellow cocker spaniel. He looked confused when I asked, but that look changed to amazement when I explained that I had just crossed paths with Brandy in their kitchen moments before. And she goes on, The second one isn't so long. My rat terrier, Misty, crossed the Rainbow Bridge two years ago, February 15th. I had had her for almost 12 years, and it was the hardest decision I'd ever made. She had had a stroke, seizures, and was clearly in pain. My best friend and now fiancé stood by my side through the entire ordeal 
and the fiancé even dug her a little grave at Nana's, my mom's, after. I cried for days and begged God to please let me know that she'd made it home safe and that she was really all right. I cried myself to sleep that night, and the only dream I had, I heard her barking. She hadn't barked in really a long time before she passed. I remember being really excited and going to my bedroom door in my dream, and upon opening it, there was a blinding, warm, white light. And there she was, standing in the doorway, fat, healthy, eyes sparkling and tail wagging. She barked once or twice more and turned and ran back into that light. I still miss her, but I know that was God's and her way of letting me know that she was, in fact, home and happy. Wow, Amber, those are two really good stories. Both of them heartwarming because it showed that, number one, the first dog, Brandy, wanted to know that she still owned the place. And the second one, that your dog, Misty, wanted to let you know that after being her friend for all those years... She wanted you to know that she was fine, just like you had asked. And we're going to move on to a second story from a friend of mine from high school named Linda. Linda writes to me, Tina, a 15-year-old Pomeranian, passed away due to a near lifetime of diabetes. I had very real, vivid dreams of her close to me. I'd catch glimpses of her from the corner of my eye frequently. One day I was putting up laundry in my closet when I turned and there she was, sitting on the floor just as real and alive as she used to be. I dared not look away knowing she would disappear, but I blinked and still there she was, a paw up like she used to do when asking for a treat. I said her name, tears welling up and falling so fast. Tina, oh baby, I miss you so much. I hope you are okay now. The tears fell like a river, and my eyes blurred. Then I wiped away the tears, and Tina was gone. During this time, after Tina left us, it was a little less than a month later, Buddy's health declined quickly. He was one of her puppies from a litter she had when she was two years old. I think he never got over losing his mama. I knew his time was short. That night, in the wee hours of the morning, Buddy went over the Rainbow Bridge. I was laying on the bathroom floor with him, and I woke once, when Buddy's body shuddered, and I saw Tina beside us. When I woke up again, Tina was gone, and Buddy's body was cold. She writes, I'm crying again now. Then goes on, earlier in the day, when I saw Tina in the closet, I think she came back to wait for Buddy. She knew his time was close. After that night, I never saw them again, except for dreams. That's a good story, Linda, and very heartwarming that you had two pets that you loved so closely, and, and one of them came back to help the other go across the bridge. Now, my own little story isn't, isn't much. There's no absolute proof I saw nothing. But we have had two very special cats pass away on us here in the, the house we used to own and then this house. And the first cat was named Stockings. She was a tortoise shell female and she sickened and died here at the, the first house we had. 
And then sometime later, we had a cat named Joshua. He was a gray and white tomcat. Beautiful, beautiful cat, loving. But he died also. Uh, he was older, so he died. So since then, I can be sitting on the bed, and it will feel like a cat jumps up onto the bed and walks up the length of the bed. But when I turn around, there's no cat. Now, we do have cats in the house, but they don't usually do that because I keep my door shut. And they don't come in the bedroom that much. But the question is, do pets come back? Yeah, sometimes just like their owners come back. Pets come back to give us comfort, give us messages that they are okay. Or in the case of this Pomeranian mother came back to help her son over the bridge as he died. Sometimes they come back to prove that they're still the boss of the house like Brandy did. But as Misty did in the second story, he came back to let her know, let her best friend know that she was okay. I think pets do that, and, and I think pets attend a certain type of heaven. Maybe they're waiting for their owners to come across. I don't know. I don't have any concept, anything other than that, because as a created being, I do not believe that God lets his animals perish. So I think that we may have an entire heaven full of animals, not just pets, but all kinds of animals. We may see what earth looked like when we get to heaven. I don't know. I'm just, those are my beliefs, those are my thoughts. Uh, you can agree or disagree. I'm not going to be upset if you do or, or don't agree with me. Yes, ghost pets are a very big thing in the paranormal world. People see their passed on pets and their friends, family members, as some people consider them. And I don't have a problem with that. I think that's probably the way things should be. Let's move on. Ghost stories come from all over the world, but I'm basically concerned with the ones that happen here in America, the ones that happen here in Texas, the ones that happen here in San Antonio. America has come into its own with ghost stories. Living in San Antonio, I know we have a lot of ghost stories in San Antonio. And I know that some of them are just outright frauds. And I, I try to tell people, you know, it may be fun to go do this particular thing, but it's not real. There was nothing that happened out there that caused this to be. And it's not always a popular position to take. But we do have ghost stories, and, and ghost stories that can be corroborated by witnesses, by many witnesses... Over the years, we have such as the Minger Hotel, we have the Alamo itself, we have the area around the Alamo, we have different hotels downtown, not only the Minger, but the Gunter, the St. Anthony is supposedly haunted. We have had hospitals here in town that were haunted. We've had parks that were haunted. And that's only in San Antonio. We have many stories across Texas. Uh, we have many stories across the United States and into Canada, into Mexico. So ghost stories are something that's part of the culture. And whether they're 
they're true or not, or whether they're based on fact, it really doesn't matter because ghost stories, in my opinion, in some cases, are merely cautionary tales. For instance, the story of La Llorona, the woman who apparently killed her children, her illegitimate children, by throwing them in a river in order to make the man that fathered them be okay with marrying her. Well, it didn't work out. There are various stories on the the situation, but it, it's basically she killed the children in order to get with the man. The man didn't want her, rejected her, so she is known to wander the banks of the river, rivers, wherever she is known to be, crying for her children. And apparently in Mexican culture, one of the boogeymen that, that grandmas tell their grandkids, La Llorona will get you if you don't watch out. If you're out late, if you're doing something wrong, La Llorona will get you. Uh, it's very much like El Cucuy. I've been called El Kukui in the past, but I was dressed up in a very scary costume. So we have different, different, uh, different stories from the Mexican, the Hispanic, the Spanish cultures, and I don't know if they've got basis in fact or what. We've got, we've got uh, lake creatures in the United States and Canada, and. We've got other stories, and we've got haunted hotels all around the, the countries. Ghost stories are a major part of culture because it lends itself to a discussion on spirituality. What is the spirit? What is the soul? Do we live on after death? I believe we do. In keeping with this thought about whether our spirit lives on, question is raised, how does our spirit live on? Does it change? Does it become something else? I did a show in response to something I heard on the, the uh, radio or internet. This one man told someone that their grandmother could be their guardian angel. And I hated to to differ with him, but humans can never be angels. They can become heavenly beings, but we are never going to be angels. We were not made to be angels. We were made to be humans. The way the Bible words it is that humans were created to be a little lower than the angels. That's in, that's in this life, in this form. But as we achieve our forms in glory as we get to heaven we we change bodies we then have the authority to judge what the angels have done so we are we are created to be a little below the angels in human form but when we reach our glorified bodies we will be able to judge the angels so we are above them but we will not be angels I don't know, they may give us a harp, they may give us wings, but we will not be angels. Moving back to haunted locations and ghost stories. It doesn't take revenants and ghosts and spirits to haunt, haunt a place. Memories, the truth of the place, the history of the place can haunt it too. 
in a little town called Copeland, Texas, C-O-U-P-L-A-N-D, Copeland, Texas. It's between Lexington and Elgin, west of Lexington. The old Copeland Inn and Dance Hall it dates back to 1910, when the building served as, what else, a bordello and a speakeasy. Now, it's rumored to be one of the most haunted places in the state, and the paranormal activity reported at the establishment ranges from appliance turning on and off of their own accord to disembodied footsteps and cold spots, along with the many apparitions seen by her staff and patrons. A woman in old-time attire has been known to appear in an upstairs guest room where she hanged herself many years ago, whilst a young girl with brown hair has been seen playing with the cash register. Strangely, the activity in the dance hall reaches a crescendo whenever a performing band plays the old tune, Cotton Eye Joe. Huh, you got boot-scooting ghosts. Okay. The 19th century building in Calvert, Texas was formerly a tea room named for the resident ghost, but now has been refurbished as a furniture store. Staff and diners claim to have heard a woman's laughter echoing through the building during the early afternoon and have seen a woman in an old-fashioned dress wandering around the place. Known as the Laughing Lady, it is believed she perished in the fire that destroyed the original premises in 1899. Another ghost, which is perhaps a poltergeist, is suspected to haunt the old edifice as well. Now back to a place where I've got one alma mater, Mary Harden Baylor, Belton, Texas. There's a former boys' school. It was active in the 1800s. The place is haunted by a number of spirits, including former students and the apparition of a former owner. Footsteps have been heard on the stairs, and a strange voice has been known to call out names. Cameron Park in Waco, Texas is a busy place for the paranormal, according to stories. Check out nearby Lover's Leap and Jacob's Ladder for examples, but by far the most well-known story is that of the Witch's Castle, which is the popular name for a set of ruins found deep in the park. There are claims that there are weird smells, sounds of screaming, and other strange phenomenon in the area. The site was popularized by the site Weird US, but many locals claim they got the location wrong. I figure if you live there, you should know what's what. Debate continues, but the one location many people seem to agree on for the Witch's Castle is just north of the intersection of Adeline Drive and Marywood Lane. There is a rusty gate at the corner there. If you go past the gate somewhere up and to the right, not too far, are supposedly the remains of the building. For what it's worth, park officials are familiar with the story, but claim it is just that, a story. There are countless lover's leaps. Uh, it seems that wherever there's a tall cliff somewhere in the world, someone has spun a story about two star-crossed lovers who decided to end their lives there if they couldn't be together in life. Because 
society wouldn't let them be together in peace. Well, here's another one. This time on the north end of Cameron Park. The story here is that two Native Americans from warring tribes had fallen in love and they chose this spot to commit suicide together. There are claims that the couple can still occasionally be seen around the area and that their whispers can be heard if you listen real close. I've told the story about the Warda witch before, but it fits here. Warda is a small blink-and-you'll-miss-it kind of place along U.S. Highway 77 between Giddings and LaGrange. You know, rumors spreading around in that Texas town about that shack outside LaGrange. Yeah, that LaGrange. The Warda Witch has been reported, by my own brother no less, to have been seen walking in the bar ditch pushing a wheelbarrow. He saw her in passing, but upon, upon turning his car around, she was nowhere in sight. Stories abound in the local lore of sightings of the specter, but alas, they are only stories. Up north of Thorndale is the small community of San Gabriel. There is a legend, for I don't know what else to call it, about some nuns who had apparently set up a mission in the area. During some sort of uprising amongst the local indigenous peoples, the nuns were attacked. Use your own imagination here, and they were murdered. The spooky legend claims that their screams of terror and pain can still be heard when conditions are right. Out Bushdale Road from Rockdale proper lies a cemetery wherein lies the mortal remains of a Civil War era Union Colonel, one Herman Henniger. Now, you would think, okay, a Confederate Colonel, sure, why not? We're in the South. But this man was a Union Colonel. He had started off as a Confederate, but became convicted in his spirit and joined the Union Army midstream. Anyway, there used to be a statue of the Colonel there at the cemetery and a connected legend known throughout the area. The legend states that if you visited the cemetery at night, the colonel, as he was known, would follow you with his eyes. There was even one account which said that the statue raised its sword, perhaps due to some perceived slight or expression of disrespect. At the time, this was a very popular fright quest spot, but in late 1973, the ultimate disrespectful act occurred. A group of teens, supposedly numbering six, were arrested for toppling and breaking up the statue. Even though they were arrested, they were never prosecuted. Very sad. So, up home for me is Central Texas, east of Austin. And it has some ghost stories, lots of legends, and many spooky places. The house I grew up in outside of Lexington had quite a few events going on in it. I lived there from 1962 to 1986 or 1985. 
And the only time I spent away from that place was when I was at college from 1983 to 1985. But it had some weird stuff going on in it. I just love that part of the country. Well, there you go. I'm sorry to have resorted to television tactics for the summer, but I'm always on the lookout for new stories, great stories, spooky stories, and just plain strange information. If you have some stories you would like to hear on the show, send them to me at terrysmysteriousmoments at gmail.com or Terry's Mysterious Moments on Facebook. I'm always willing to, to look at stories and see what we can do with them. Well, listen, that's all we have for this week. I want you to have a great time listening to the show. I want you to remember some of your stories and send them to me. And I want you to just have a safe week, okay? It's coming up on 4th of July. Make sure you don't lose any fingers to black cats and other things. I mean, the firecrackers, that is. Anyway, y'all have a great week, and we'll see you next time on Terry's Mysterious Moments.